made. Hello, friends. It's that time again. Let's go find our balls, shall we? My name is Jeff Stuckey. I am in the shotgun position where I should be. Greg has me strapped down today. I'm not exactly sure what the straps are about, but I'm sure they're intentional. Greg Allen, I got my hands on the wheel. We're going to keep you in line today, Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) That's a big task there. I'm jamming this thing in reverse. (laughs) This is uh, fantastic because we have a special guest. Um, We're we're just jumping into the deep end of the pool today. Um, So I'm, I'm the minority here. Like you two are... In what I'm heathens. I'm a heathen. Follows. You're heathen. Yeah, okay. total, complete. And you don't go by the moniker of heathen. Uh, not so much. Okay. All right. Just <laughs> uh, checking. Good. I got it. Right. It clashes oh, with too. the Jesus. Oh, we just met, thing. so it's anyway, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, right. So this is like uh, this is like. So I sent Brett. Brett Nichols, you're a past. You're senior pastor. I don't know. You're. Give us yeah, your title. Yeah, it's a, the title's lead pastor. Lead yeah. pastor, uh, okay. It's called One Life Church. One Life in Church. In Henderson, yeah. And uh, so I sent you an email asking you if you wanted to come on the podcast and talk about, I think my exact words were, why the church sucks so bad. Exactly. Yeah, I do remember that. <laughs> you couldn't turn that down. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, well, that's 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 a great invitation right there. Certainly got my invitation. And, and you, one, responded to the email I did. With not the emoji middle finger, which I guess you couldn't do, but right? uh, and then here you are. So yeah. uh, I did say I disagree with the premise, but sure, I'm, I'm <laughs> willing to talk about it. Yeah. You know. uh, yeah. All right. Be so like you, me saying, why, why does counseling suck so bad? You know? Yeah. Brent, let's do it, man. Because <laughs> I, I can answer that you question. You can answer that one. Okay, pretty damn good. effectively. Yeah, you're, you're, yeah. But uh, you, okay, you want to do a little preamble? I know you're pretty nervous, so I'm going to let you. Um, <laughs> I got a quick time. You were making the connection that all three of us have. Yeah, it's, it seems at one time or another in our spiritual journey, we've gotten sideways. Or departure in my case, but that's right. We've gotten sideways with, with, with a church body or, or maybe the concept of church. Um, and so, and we all responded differently. I, as a matter of fact, it seemed like you and Brett are at extremes and I'm somewhere in the middle. <laughs> Opposite extremes. Is what I think. He, oh, he, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Brett's like, well, what the fuck are you doing? Like, <laughs> opposite. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, don't align me with him. Like, that's bad for his business. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> sorry, Brett. Sorry, Jeff. No, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Attendance uh, might be lower yeah. this right, week, right. Brett, yeah. but we'll try it's to recover from that. Out. Yeah. 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 So, you want to tell us about yours, Jeff? You're, you were connected strongly with the church for. Most yeah, I drank the Kool-Aid, um, was called by God, uh, actually on an African mission trip, was called by God to go to seminary. Um, and then the church that I was associated with was a fairly large church. And so word gets out that Jeff's been called to seminary. Now, at that point in my life, I don't even know what seminary is. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's right. What? First point of study. Yeah, right. right? Like, look that shit up. So I do, and I'm like, well, there's no way I'm getting into that. So um, the the seminary that this church was associated with uh, is Dallas Theological Seminary. And so I moved my family from Evansville. I got in. Like, yeah, so far that's totally fucked up the plan. Like, so here I go. Um, and at the time that I was at Dallas seminary, those of you who are not heathens yet, 
uh, Charles Swindoll was the president of. Okay, uh, it was that era. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. I'm so, with that. yeah. Yes, the dark days of Dallas <laughs> theological. No, I didn't say scenario. that, but yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I got some of the heavy hitters. Like I got sure, to yeah. take Bible study methods with Howard Hendricks. You did. Uh, you were there with Hendricks. Yeah, I was yeah, there with Hendricks. Cool. Uh, Dwight. Uh, Pentecost chewed me out in front of hundreds of people. <laughs> the Dwight Pentecost, <laughs> your claim to that's fame. Good. Is, yeah, that's oh, great. Dude. I never got chewed out with anybody <laughs> that stature. Before. Oh, it yeah. was it was not awesome. There's another guy. He was heavily in Ron something. Ron, I don't remember. Anyway, I got in trouble a lot in seminary, and I remember the first day of of uh, we had to go to chapel. And uh, hundreds of people are there. And so there are guys blowing the horn and everything. I mean, it sounds like, you know, the At call. Dallas? Oh, shit, yeah, dude. Wow, okay. Well, there's one guy. I didn't know that was their thing. Uh, their chaplain, Bill, and he played the trumpet. And that was it. That's the only instrument. Okay. And he just randomly started blowing that thing. <laughs> like, like, I didn't know if it was like, oh, this is it. We're headed home, you know, or what. But... Uh, <laughs> but we're, so we're sitting, and I remember this like it's yesterday. So if I'm sitting here, Chuck's up there and he's pounding on the podium and he's talking about how that we, the incoming class are the best of the best. And I'm like, nope. They <laughs> <laughs> don't know us very well that yet. That is really, really <laughs> wrong. And God has chosen you and he has set you apart. So on one hand, I'm like buying into this. I'm like, that's right. But on the other hand, my imposter complex is like, I am so screwed, man. <laughs> so I tried to keep my head down and get through seminary. And that was just, those were dark days um, for a lot of different reasons. I'll, I'll, I mean, I can elaborate that later in the discussion. But that's probably where I started to realize this is not for me. Like this is this system. I was born and raised in this system, but this system is just not congruent for me. Um, but when you break up with the creator of the universe, that takes a few tries, right? Like yeah. you regret yeah. that yeah. like several, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Big, yeah. Please take me back. Please take me back. So anyway, I come home from work one day. I'm, I'm in living in Dallas, Texas. I got a practice in Plano. Um, I come home and my wife, then wife says, I'm moving back to Evansville. And I'm like, shouldn't we like talk about this? Like, do we discuss this together or what, whatever? Um, but I, at that point in time, I was probably 45% man child. Um, so I was just like, yes, dear. Okay. But I had young kids too. So I was just not right. at a place where I was ready to be away from my kids, anything else. So word gets out from the same church that the Africa trip, they're like, Oh, Jeff's moving back, moving back to Evansville. And, uh, we should have him come on staff. And I'm again, like, this is a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> So I mean, called the, your references, right? Dude, yeah, yeah. they okay, should have. Yeah. So I meet okay. with the elders, and this is this would have been 2005, and 2005 was in the era where we just started wearing jeans and our shirts untucked, right? And that's that was my uniform. Mm -hmm. And so we're meeting with the elders, and I'm giving them every reason why this is a horrible idea, and they're like, and I said my three non-negotiables are one. I cuss like a sailor, but I won't do that at church. Two, I drink a lot of beer. And three, I wear jeans, and I'm not going to stop wearing jeans. 
the most controversial one. Oh, no. <laughs> People shit themselves over the fact that I wore jeans to work. <laughs> And I'm like, I'm borderline alcoholic, but no one has a problem with that. And then it, the tension between me being a licensed professional and then duty to warn and report and all of those kinds of things. And then my marriage was coming apart and the church was splitting. And I'm like, this is, this is the end for me. Uh, this is, this is not whoever this works for. Cool. I don't need to be against that, but this is not the environment that I thrive in. And that's when I, the church finally, the church, yeah. 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 And I read blue like jazz, but well, I've Donald read that. Miller. <laughs> Donald <laughs> Miller's full. <laughs> so I, I can understand, but I got fucked over along the way in ways that I won't go into now right. out of respect to the clients that I was trying to protect. Yeah. Yeah. And I can acknowledge the fact that you would um, break from a church or even the, the notion of church. Uh, I would say, and, and Brett, you can speak into this, that when you sent that text to God, he probably rejected it. You know, the idea like, hey, we're breaking up. And you think, okay, I've, I've got that through. I'm not so sure that God accepted that. Yeah, so. It's a no-fault divorce state, so um, if you're... <laughs> <laughs> it's just like you got, you got six. But that's a cool and poetic way to put that, though. Uh, Greg, way to go! Got, I didn't have that one. I'm a preacher. Yeah, right? you can have. I didn't have anything. That was that was good. You got no, sixty okay. days to respond, and, then, <laughs> okay. and then you take half your shit. I take half my shit, and we go our separate ways. Right. All right. Anyway, yeah. So I mean, we'll accept the idea. That we, we'll get more into that. I mean, sure. I'm sure some yeah. theological. Discussion yeah. will come up. Yeah. How'd you get fucked over, Greg? Yeah. See, that's your term. It's not my term. I apologize, Greg. Okay. How did but you, something happened. How we were discussing before. And I said, what do you mean by, yeah, by that? And something so, yeah. happened. No. And it's all you know, it's always a matter of perspective. But I had um from right when I became a Christian, I started investing in an inner city ministry. So I was a volunteer there for probably um fifteen years. You know, some of it off and on, but some of it very engaged. Um we actually adopted our two oldest daughters, um, through relationships at the ministry, you know, um, and then, and then I was the, um, executive director for eight years. Then the church that was kind of funding it for the most part said, we're not going to do this anymore. (laughs) And and just the way it ended just felt like a terrible thing. And this is the part that Jeff will argue with me on. I can back up from that and say, maybe it was the right thing to do. It's not up to me. You know, I mean, the Holy Spirit was guiding the whole thing. But the way it happened w- yeah. was harmful, you know. Sure. Um, and so that that just, you know, made me just feel terrible about it. You know, like, yeah. how does this work with, with uh, men and women that I have looked up to for 20 years? <laughs> you know. Right. Uh, so how does that play into everything? So I have no people to criticize, you know, in that effect. Uh, but the idea of how do, how do I go to a church and say, I'm going to invest in a, a ministry or, or invite people to be a part of a ministry. And then at any time someone can say, Hey, we're shutting that down and we're not going to talk to you about it. <laughs> so that's disturbing. Right. You know, now I'd like to say, well, I've overcome that, you know, because uh, it didn't affect my belief in God. Um, it didn't affect my love for the church and my understanding that it is a useful vehicle. You know, uh, yeah. it's it's very important. But how how it works 
I hadn't figured that out yet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still thinking. Yeah, and when you're in a leadership role and you care about something on that level, that's a pretty far fall. Yeah, it is. It yeah. can be very disillusioning because you you go you're you're more than just kind of trying to manage a widget production yeah. facility or something yeah. like that. So it's you've got a lot of soul and heart in it and yeah. relationships and everything. So yeah, I can get that. Yeah, and I, I do remember. So we moved into the neighborhood, and uh, so I, I just knew people. I'd go on a walk and see somebody you know. And for weeks afterwards, I was afraid to go around the neighborhood on a walk because I would see somebody and I'm and they wouldn't have anything against me. But I'm thinking I can't invite them to the weight room or the basketball room or one of the life transformation classes. I can't I wouldn't even have an answer for them if they said, hey, why aren't you over there anymore? You know, right. and and the neat thing, one of the members, actually an ex member of the board of directors for the ministry. Uh, I don't know how he knew this, but he pulled me aside and asked me what was wrong. And I told him that. And he goes, oh, brother, yeah, you got that wrong. Uh, God was working with these people far before you came along, and he's still doing it. <laughs> it's like, okay, so I really wasn't that important, you know. I mean, oh, certainly okay. it could be yeah. used, but this doesn't need to be a part of their growth, you know. Right. So, so I could walk the neighborhood again. <laughs> okay. Well, that is. That's, that's good. Yeah. So, so yeah. Brett, how did you so, get sideways? Well, I didn't get <laughs> We're going to make you get there because it's part that's, of this podcast. Yeah, you're leading me down to this basement down here. I was like, uh, okay, where are we going? The mob hit's coming. and, and No uh, one knows where you are. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's exactly true. And they cannot hear your cries for real. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I mean, I've, I've had seasons where I've gotten sideways. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I went through a couple pretty devastating things. But. Yeah, and you've seen it in the church. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah we do things sure. wrong. Yeah. And but, I mean, the birth of your church came out of you kind of getting screwed over, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that you know, that's my my story of it, uh, as it were. I mean, you know, there's there's some that would debate that. and But I had, yeah, I had struggles in that regard. And I was at a church for a long time. And I, I worked I worked at the church for 15 years. And the thing about it is, I will say that, 14 years of it, I absolutely loved. I wouldn't trade it for anything. And I would go back and do it again, too. But the, that 15th year was a little rough. <laughs> yeah, it was just, you know, people... Uh, it, but I, I compare it to either family or very good friends. Uh, I've uh, I've been through that with family, too. You, you, you yeah. love people very, very deeply. You travel with them. And then something can hit that just causes some really, really choppy waters. And people mm-hmm. respond in different ways. And because it's family, it's because you love them so deeply and they loved you, the hurt goes way down there really, really deep. Uh, now, thankfully, in the, in, the, in, in the situation that I went through, we've had some reconciliation and, and had the phone calls and the conversations and the forgiveness and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, I... Was it like it. on a deep level? Like, did people own the shit that they needed to own? Or was it... Yeah, yeah, to a point. But, you know, the, the, the and, and I'm sure they would say, I didn't own what I should have owned. Because you're always going to have a little bit of piece of... I wasn't right about that. And you just kind of come to a place where. Okay. Well, I'll put you on that too. Was there anything that you felt like you didn't own that you should have owned? And then like. Looking back, you know, this is, this is 11 years ago. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Looking back. um, Should I have owned something I didn't own? I don't know how that would be defined from the people that may have been hurt by me. It would be subjective. Yeah. yeah, I I would look at it as, yeah, I probably could have been more patient and, and not as, uh, I, I was very intent on getting somewhere and I probably was, uh, 
not thinking of people as deeply as I should have just because I want to get from point A to point B. I was, I was pretty aggressive and, and, uh, and there's this blend of you. How caught off guard were you? Uh, very, because, you know, I had traveled with people that I loved very much and for a long time. And so that's, uh, so caught off guard, but it, it was a slow burn too. I mean, it's, it's so it, what I went through took place over kind of a, a year long process where I could just tell we're a little bit different than we were. If you, you, you yeah. have relationships like that before, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, my girlfriend were doing great. And then, uh, things were just a slight different. I just noticed we just haven't a had little sex bit in a couple of weeks. What's so, going on here? but I'm sure it's nothing. You know, and, then, and then you kind of, and then yeah. it keeps kind of listing over to the, to the right or whatever else. And so it was that one of those kind of things. Um, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I was absolutely caught off guard in that sense. And I've still looked back and I can't believe it happened in some ways. Uh, because like, wow, you know, we were, we were such a good team and it wasn't a flash in the pan thing. We had traveled a lot together and through a lot of things. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things I think that's interesting to me. And I don't know how you guys can speak to this because I just don't pay attention. One, it seems like pastors in this area have a really hard time not having sex with women that aren't their wife. Why what is did you just say? <laughs> hey, no, that's what he meant to say. Yeah, and that's a good thing. Why not having sex? No, they they keep having uh, yeah, sex I, 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 okay. with women that aren't their wife. Oh, okay, okay, all right. Thank you. Is there I, a fair amount uh, of that? There is a fair here? amount of that. There is a fair amount of that around here, from what I can see and understand. But I didn't. <laughs> is anybody? Uh, that's like, not me, by the way. Is is, it, that's yeah. not why I was brought down here. I'm still trying to figure out why I was brought down here, but that, that's not. I told why you, are you man, having I don't, sex I don't with someone that's not your wife. No, I've, uh, but that has been a uh, yes. There's that's been there's been public. Um, falling of uh, key leaders and and uh, for that but it reason. seems to be somewhat contagious it's almost like <laughs> yeah. suicides around yeah. here yeah, right? there, it's like, it is kind of a thing i've been in conversations like that where you know is it, is it the area is it there's something in the water here is there something in the culture that yeah, makes it, it more scale? prevalent like but i it? but i'm not from other i don't know about other communities it may be just as prevalent and i just don't know about it but we're we're small enough to everybody knows mm -hmm. when something happens but we're large enough to there's a lot that goes on so well and it seems like it never gets dealt with honestly it seems like i know like when i left the church like i i don't know that was kind of a tipping point so my experience is a little bit different because i was in that direction anyway. And that was just the catalyst that was like, okay, yeah, that's right. But even in the midst of that, it's like, do we ever tell the fucking truth about anything? Like, do we ever just like say honestly, this is the dysfunction that has split us apart because the church I was at is it was always spun some sort of like spiritual sort of way. Like, you know, well, God's called this person to plant another church. And it's like, maybe, I mean, that may be like 1% true, but the 99% true <laughs> is somebody screwed somebody over. But it doesn't seem like the church ever deals honestly with its problems. And here is the reason that, I have multiple reasons why I asked you to come on, but, but my curiosity about it is, is I think society needs the church now more than ever. And I don't know what the church has become. I don't know how it became, again, this is my perception of it, 
But it's like the mega church to me seems like a knockoff version of the Tonight Show. It's like you have these, <laughs> you have these musicians right. that couldn't make it like at the highest level, but they could play at the church, right? And so they rock it out well, a little bit. No, okay, and that's where you're getting into territory that I <laughs> my, no no. I am a musician back. for one thing, and uh, my friends are musicians, and the musicians at my church are pretty dang good. I'm not and saying they're, that they're not. They're I'm just saying that okay. they're not playing in New York or well, LA. Not, well, there's a whole lot of musicians out there that aren't playing <laughs> in New York, and and uh, and uh, then it's like, and then you listen to the like host of the Tonight Show talk for however long, right? And there seems to be nothing represented. Certainly, I don't think the modern church reflects, and, and tell me where I'm wrong, any aspect of the Acts 2 church. I mean, meeting together, gathering together, the breaking of bread, giving to one another where there is need, seems like a pretty simple formula right. and healthy formula for a church. And when you have a society that is as polarized as our society is around every issue. I mean, it doesn't, yeah. you know, whether it's politics, whether it's religion, whether it's, it's like the society desperately needs a place where they can meet together and commune and like in brotherly fellowship. Yeah. And it's like, but it seems like the church is participating in the polarization as much as any other group. And it's like, what the fuck's going on, man? Why isn't the church different when its message, like the marketing ad says it's different? Where's the breakdown? And I, go ahead. Uh, no, you go ahead. Well, I, I need to point out, I, I would say your point of reference might be one specific church, and there's a lot of... Mass. No, no, I got an article I can read here if you want me to. <laughs> I don't want you to. <laughs> but, I don't, but, I'm not, yeah, I'm yeah. not saying, I mean, I've done my research. It's, sure. you know, people are leaving the church in droves for the first time in this country's history. Religious people are the minority. Mm -hmm. Church attendance is plummeting. Like there, I mean, it's, right. there, there's a lot of evidence. I think um, one of the research articles said that between eight and 10,000 physical churches are abandoned every day in the United States of America. Like, so we just have now all this unoccupied real estate, sorry, a year, not a day. And well, thank you. I was, yeah. I was doing the math. Sorry. Get some real estate. Okay, so next week we should be out of churches. <laughs> that is pretty much it. Not, yeah. Eight to 10,000 uh, right, a year, okay. which again is a staggering figure. I mean, yeah, well, it's different yeah. than a day. Yeah. And it's like, I guess my question is why isn't the church living up to what it says it is? And why does it always get a pass? Like why why are the problems not really dealt with on a on a deeper level? And I don't know what of that's fair. Push back on any of that. Yeah, I, I obviously some of it is it. You have to say it's fair because it's it's happening and it's common enough to where you can't sit there and go, well, I, I deny any of that's really going on. You, you made a comment earlier that you know anything I see in Acts is not happening, whereas I can, not not happening. It's hard to. It's really hard to find. Okay. It okay. doesn't it doesn't I heard you seem, say it is more of an absolute thing. It's just not happening. I don't see Well, any of it. that was more hyperbole, but <laughs> okay, it's right. like that's when you think of the sure. American church, that's right. not what you think of. Yes, that that is true. And and I think I think we deal with a couple things. One, we deal with a popular culture perception. So we we're all we all at the same time see our local but then we also see our broad society. You know, I people get to hear 
my own people can hear me preach, but they can also hear any number of different preachers, and they're exposed to all kinds of churches from around the world, large things. And so we're always dealing with that duality, so that's the perception. Because what I was going to say is that my own personal experience, like I said, I 15 years and 14 years, absolutely great. I've got story after story after story after story after story of remarkable uh, relational amazing connections and uh, great discussions and marriages healed and, and people being there for one another and grieving with one another and helping one another. And, and I, I was just in a discussion today with uh, one of my campus pastors, and he, he said, you know, uh, they were talking about this single mom in their church that they're, they're gathering around to help and, and, and people are doing different things. That kind of thing goes on uh, all the time, in, in at least in my local context, and I've experienced it a lot through the years, even in the place where I felt like I got screwed over. Uh, but the screwover happened because of people being people, but it didn't erase the fact that I did experience that community. And because and, uh, the picture in Acts is this giant, uh, this giant crowd, 3,000 the first day, and then they would kind of go to homes. Well, I lived that way. We get together in the big thing, and the music's good, and the players are really, really good. And, <laughs> and the he took offense, players so awesome. Took offense but to then, that one, didn't he? No, I'm telling you, man, <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my passions. I can't <laughs> help it. But but then you go, and we went into homes. We broke bread, and we uh, and cried together, and, and confessed our sins to one another. And uh, uh, you know, right now, I'm going through a health issue, and when I announced that. It's just amazing. People reaching out and just you know thinking about me and praying for me and encouraging me and walking with me through that. And, and if I didn't have that, I wouldn't know what I would do. So. But how can you be intellectually and theologically honest with the church and say it's a product of people being people? I mean, isn't it supposed to be better than that in the church? Isn't it? Sure. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, you know, I mean, back harkening back to my seminary days, you know, prior to Jesus' crucifixion, he says, I'm leaving, I'm leaving for you another, it's an upgrade, it'll be better when the yeah. the Holy Spirit gets here, the comforter, that sort of thing, and it's like, okay, I don't see the evidence of that, I don't, and then it seems like, it seems like the pushback that I always get from other Christians, which is frustrates the hell out of me, is, what's well, people being people, and it's like, that's not what you're marketing, you're marketing transformation. Yeah. You're marketing the being called by the creator of the universe, reconciled to the creator of the universe through the life of Jesus Christ and then anointed by the Holy Spirit. That sounds like a big fucking deal. Yeah. Like, shouldn't that be doing some cool shit? Yeah, and I would maintain it is. I see it and I live with it all the time. When I say people being people, fair, fair criticism, that it, you can kind of generic that, and of course it's going to happen, but the things that I've seen inside the church, I lived enough outside the church to know how that op- operates too. That was no picnic at all. It's <laughs> yeah, not like, well, that's where the awesome people... But We're heathens. I, I know. Like, I understand we're that. ripping each other <laughs> apart, have, man. My own life was transformed, and I've been around people whose lives were transformed, a lot of my friends, because I did uh, the music thing. kind of funny, because I grew up, I, I played in rock bands. I that apologize. Was kind of my that band. was not no, intended. Was I played in rock bands, and so we we all did a lot of drugs and we did a lot of things we weren't supposed to do. So I was in that world. But many of my, uh, my friends, myself, experienced that transformation. And I did watch it in my own life and watched it in their lives. And we met people that were radically transformed. And I did see that miraculous stuff happen and lived with it and have experienced it. I would say in my own world, I've experienced that more than I've experienced the other. But as I look at the New Testament, it literally kind of travels that way because it's, you know, the doctrine of, of man in the Bible, as you know, is, is God, uh, you know, 
people are created in the image of God, but they're fallen and they're corrupt. They've got that corruption in them. They're transformed, but the corruption is still there. And that's why the instructions to the church all the time in the scriptures are, are that's why it talks so much about forgiveness. Well, everybody loves the forgiveness idea until you get a chance to do it. I mean, or <laughs> you have something to genuinely forgive, but it's repeated all the time. So there's always that blend and that we're, we're, we're all a mix of that. Uh, the Christian is a mix of that power of Christ within him dealing with my flesh all the time. So maybe saying people are people is a little too simple, but it's I mean it seems transformed like people who are inside their flesh who are always wrestling. Is that then the only way to transformation? The only way in Well, it's like for me, Christianity was right. was toxic. It was really, really unhealthy for me. Okay. Because the brand of evangelical Christianity that um the Kool-Aid that I drank was very much a it, uh, it was almost a narcissistic enlightenment. It was, you know, you, you are the chosen you, you have been, you are God's holy ones. And it's like, right. well, there's some other good people out there <laughs> doing some, doing some cool shit. And I don't like, but no, they are no. And it's like, what, what, okay. Like, so what would, okay, so what would you do with a guy like me if I came to your church and I said, <laughs> I'm not going to, okay? okay. Don't you worry. Can't. I don't care. I, I think it'd be great. I'll come after the music. Yeah, that's I mean, right. <laughs> well, you'll come for the music. But if, okay, so if I said to you, hey, I'm, I am, I'm a pretty staunch atheist. I know what I believe. Okay. I am not here to be a disruption. I, I don't know if Jesus yeah. was a historical figure or a fairy tale. doesn't matter to me because the yeah. ethic of Jesus Christ is Jesus Christ's life is inarguable, whether he's historical or made up. I, if we live by the book, like that's a damn good way to live by the book. Can I just hang out as a heathen? Yeah. I mean, someone could hang out as a heathen and, and, and do that. I would, I would continue to challenge those, uh, those premises that you you just kind of articulated as in the course of you being there, Which, where? just that well, uh, you know Jesus, whether he's a mythological character or whatever, his ethic matters. Well, okay, I don't know that it does. I mean, if 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 he wasn't, seems like if he was a mythological, love figure, your neighbor as yourself. That's a good way dude, to live, you know? right? It is a good way to live, but ultimately, uh, I think there's got to be more foundation there other than just sort of a naturalism that I guess you've. But if uh, I stop at that point, like if I'm like, okay, for me, Brett, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. This whole heaven and hell thing, that's pretty big deal. Um, Like you, you, you believe in the afterlife. Your people believe in the afterlife. I believe that more in a metaphorical sense of people can live in heaven or hell right now. And this is the only time that we get Right. Like, and if I then want the best life that I can get here on earth, that ethic of Jesus seems to produce a good one. I mean, it's not Pascal's wager. I don't, I don't ride with Pascal, but I'm just saying like, that's a, that's a really good way to live. Yeah. Yeah. You cool with that or do I need to? I I would be cool with it up to the point that still in the end, we're talking about reality. 
what is reality? Uh, is there an afterlife or is there not? Now, that's a huge question, but there either is or there isn't. And if there is, then uh, that's why we continue to challenge the premise. Like, okay, so uh, if you don't believe that there's something other out there, if you don't believe there's a transcendent reality, you're going to struggle to have uh, a meaning beyond this life. And then you can say, well, Jesus saying that um, love your neighbor as yourself is, is a good way to live. It's a damn good way. I it like is. it. It's yeah. a very good way. But if I don't have a transcendent reality kind of informing that, I could, if I function on a naturalistic thing, I could say, well, screw that. I don't want to live that way. But I don't I'm live not that way at all. That. I'm okay. saying like. I know you are saying I'm that, saying I'm like saying, that's, that, that we need to do that. Like we, like everybody, Christian, non-Christian, doesn't friggin' matter. Like you need to love your neighbor as yourself like we need to champion that because I do believe that's the best way for all of us to live together. But you believe it's the best way just in the sense of, yeah, that would probably help people to have good lives, which is fine. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> what the, dude. no dude. dude, welcome to hedonism, man. I want like, see, this is where, okay. So if I, if I had a pet unicorn named Timmy, right. Right. And I'm petting my pet unicorn named Timmy and you say to me, Jeff, you don't have a pet unicorn. There's no such thing as unicorns. And I say, prove it. Is the onus on you to disprove that my unicorn exists? Or is the onus on me to prove that, in fact, my invisible unicorn is more than a visible unicorn? And that's what I think about the afterlife. It's like, you guys are putting a lot, and I'm you guys are putting a lot of stock in something that there's not a high level of guarantee. Like there's not a high level of guarantee except for the fact that I don't like to think of it purely in the sense of the afterlife. I'd like to think of it in purely in the sense of transcendent uh, moral values is, is there going to be a judgment or not? That's a great question because is someone going to assess that your life was ethical or whatever? Uh, is, is there going to be assessment at all? But if I'm living, you ethic, as good? if I'm living ethically here, why right. does that not take care of itself? And that's salvation by works, right? So we're getting into some fuzzy territory here. Right. I'm like, I want to live the best. I want to live the best ethical life that I can possibly live. I yeah. want to do right sure. by you. And that won't but get I, you past the judgment, though. You're I still don't believe in the judgment. That right. was the question. But you, but you believe, and you're you're declaring that there's a right in some transcendent sense, in, instead of just, because as an atheist, as a pure raw atheist, meaning that everything came, started, there was nothing. Yeah, I'm not there, there yet. I don't, I don't know that we can adequately explain. Okay. I'm willing okay. to say, I don't know where we came from, right. and I don't know where we're right. going. But the worldview at least embraces the thing of, yeah, I don't there care. was nothing. I don't have to be an atheist. I mean, that's just the name. Oh, okay, well, I thought that's what you said you were. <laughs> no, I know, I know. I'm just saying I just got the T-shirt. I didn't get the tattoo. <laughs> okay, because I got a backup saying. No, no, but, no, but it's, it's fine. basically the idea. I is do not believe somehow that. there was a cell, and somehow there was there was there was matter that started traveling, and we are the products of matter that's just kind of domino affecting for eternity and so there's really ultimately no transcendent good or right or wrong or any of that we're all just products of our brain cells that are shooting around and that that's where that's the philosophical problem of no transcendent realities and that's why judgment matters so it's more than just the afterlife in the traditional sense well, and i don't necessarily well, i kind of disagree with that but i do believe in the scientific method i do believe that empirical evidence 
matters. And I do think that Christians also, I mean, I've heard Christians say extraordinary claims, and not just, I don't want to single right. out Christians, but religious people, like extraordinary right. claims require extraordinary evidence. Right. And that's why for me, without that, like, extraordinary evidence that, and again, I'm comfortable saying I don't know, it's like, and I was raised, one of my earliest memories was watching a movie at a Wesleyan church about, now we're getting into all my fucking issues. I'm going to be like, all right, it's and, good. Okay. And you're the counselor. This is what's good. That's why I'm Look really what here. Brett's done to me. <laughs> <laughs> he broke me wide now open. I know my, my reason for being here. So I'm like five years old, right? I'm sitting on the front row of a church in a Wesleyan church. It's actually right there by the Cloverleaf on 41 and uh, mm-hmm. Lloyd. And uh, watching a movie about the apocalypse, right? Right. In times. Yeah, shit. buddy. Yeah. Well, guess what? The good guys got. They got fucking beheaded in the end. Oh yeah. Don't show that to a <laughs> five-year-old. You talk about an existential crisis for a five-year-old. I don't even know what an existential crisis is. I just know I don't want that. <laughs> And what kind of damage do you think that did do to you? I mean, it's severe. It's, it's, Brett, okay, okay, I, look at me, dude. Sorry. <laughs> I That's why ch- we're having this conversation. Right, I had a choice. Right. Go to a therapist or become a therapist. Okay. Easy yeah. fucking choice. Okay. Become a therapist. Yeah, become a ther- okay. I'm dealing with my shit. Sure. I'm taking no. care of my <laughs> own stuff. Okay. So then let me kind of loop back around. Does the church have a problem? Yes. All right. And the question we want to ask is, is how do how do we get past that? Because you got past it, you know, to say, well, it may be messy, but I'm still going to support it and be a part of it and champion it. So because it, to me, it always comes back to the fundamental questions. That's where I brought up brought up everything from transcendent moral uh, uh, law or whatever you want to call it to the question of who was Jesus? Did he indeed rise again from the dead or did he not? In my view, and like and Paul even says in the New Testament, if he didn't, well, forget the whole thing. And, <laughs> and, and, and I, I like that. That helps me. Uh, he, he's willing to stake everything on that. So that I, I like to get back to fundamental questions. I like to get back to my, my fundamental journey of, uh, of my own you know, I, I didn't have the. I, I I think I saw that movie. I didn't say it was five though. I was, well, there's I was a difference. Sure, yeah, I would say so. Let me tap into your inner a, child and show you that shit, and you'll be yeah, sitting. Yeah, that's right. I'd be sitting right over there. That's exactly, that's exactly right. That's there's no happen. God, okay. and if there is, he's kind of an asshole. <laughs> So, uh, but but I know I know the journey that I took. I know the experiences that I had, and every and all of us believe the things that we believe because of that. So. Uh, there's not been anything that the church has done per se to knock that out of me mm-hmm. yet. <laughs> I, I got to qualify that mm-hmm. because I've obviously had friends that have had that happen. But, but can I interject? Do you, yeah. do you give the church a pass? Because the past that I have always heard is you can't judge the church by Christians. And I've always likened that to if somebody came to me for therapy and I said, well, 100% of my patients kill themselves, but you can't judge the therapist by its patients. It's like, well, you kind of can. Well, no, you're judging the therapist by what he's doing, not not the idea of therapy. Yeah, if, if people come out, help. But, but that I guess that's my struggle <laughs> is that I do know, I think of the, the faces and people that go through my mind and the extraordinary uh, individuals that I have known and serve with and do know now uh, 
I consider them to be the ones that have been to the therapist and done quite well, even though there's also pockets of those that have not done well at all. And I get that. But for me, there's a higher percentage who have done well. So, uh, and now again, on a popular culture level, there's the larger church and the perceptions about the church and what's on television or the internet or whatever else. That's a different uh, story. Now, the other thing about people leaving that comes down to fundamental questions as well, because they've been given other belief systems. That's also happened. Uh, United States, well, in the United States, uh, from its beginnings, it, because it came out of Europe, Europe was Christendom, so the assumption of belief was always Christian-based, right. essentially. I mean, it's pretty much uh, in the yeah. ethos of our, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you you drive traveled all the United States, and there's there's a church with a steeple in every little town there is. And, well, it's and on the fucking money, center. right? And God it's we everywhere. trust. Yeah, yeah. That, that's just a part of who we are. Like when you go to Myanmar, there's Buddhist temples everywhere. It's just the part of the fabric of their society. But we live in the generation that that's no longer the monopoly at all. It's been, it's increasingly uh, through your education, your background, what you, what you read about, what you experience, what's in the movies, you have all, you have a very pluralistic society. And so the, all the options are kind of uh, out there. So I think that's part of, and the undermining through science and everything else that But why isn't the beliefs. church holding up to that? I guess would be my question. Why, why does it, why are we seeing, if you don't mind, I'll read we, I, My own opinion, this is just me personally, is that we, yep. did, we, didn't, we didn't respond to the right things in the right way. We responded kind of to moral infractions more than the really deep questions that were being raised. Now, some of that's been awakened. We're, we're considered to be right now in a renaissance, uh, or kind of a golden age of, apologetic, golden age of apologetics in in uh, in the Christian faith, because of the reaction to like Richard Dawkins and all of them, but uh, once that was kind of, we took that hit upside the head. People finally awoke, but I don't think we reacted to the right things in the right time. I think it was all. Can you delineate you on that a little bit to like what you would what you would say? And I guess I'm more interested in what you didn't react to would be interesting. What was not reacted? The church, the church always seems to bend towards moral infraction issues. Uh, and, and that's where we kind of, well, society is doing too much of this or that or the other thing, and it's people's behavior. And what was happening underneath the entire time was fundamental beliefs like transcendent realities were being slowly removed. Uh, at the high, it always happens at the highest levels of academia. It was happened during the Enlightenment. It was, uh, and slowly that undermines the, that's what Nietzsche was all about. He was saying, you know, they're getting rid of the idea of God and people aren't even going to realize it. The God is dead thing. When people don't even realize he's gone, they still act like he's there. But once he's removed, you've got real trouble and you're not accepting that. But the church was never even looking at that stuff. Uh, they were looking at, again, the moral infraction stuff and, you know, and going political and all that sort of thing, which I think that's one of the reasons the exit happened as well, uh, because it's church has been almost completely identified with um, Republican right is, is what most people's perception is. Yeah, and they think if I, if I'm going to do the church thing, well, I've got to do that thing. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, and so if the Republican right goes off the rails, well, the church goes off the rails because it's synonymous in people's minds as well. Yeah. Well, and this is an article. I'm going to read a little bit from an article in Christianity Today. I don't know anything about Christianity Today. I don't know what you guys Nothing think. Nothing at all. Really? Yeah, I know a little bit. No, I know what the title. I just don't know if it's like, I don't know. Okay, no, called, it's it's considered a respected resource. Like, yeah, it's oh, okay. considered credible. I don't know if I'm reading a uh, scientific. Help started by Billy Graham or, Association. So, if it's just. Everybody uh, loves Billy Graham. 
Anyway, uh, you know, I, could, I have some words about it. Uh, a recently leaked letter describes profound institutional rot over racism and toleration of sexual abuse inside the church. The public square has been, dis- has been consumed with this discussing these controversies, um, but the problems persist. Agree or disagree? I agree. Okay. Yeah. And, and that's that's scary stuff. And I and I don't. That's one of those things that you almost kind of stand and go again. That's not my experience, and I've not seen that up close and personal as far as uh, in, in situations that I've been in. But I know in the Catholic Church it's happened a lot, obviously, and then and then also in the I, I think the Southern Baptist Convention dealt with a number of those things. I mean, the Catholic the Church needs to shut their doors, right? Like no. they you. He's not right. That. <laughs> I, I will Sorry. not be going on I record. As a, right. <laughs> I will go on so record. You can do that, but I that probably wouldn't make that official sense. Systemically yeah, flawed. Yeah, yeah. There, the only thing that there. it is yeah, able, the only thing that yeah. it's effective at doing is hiding pedophiles and occupying real estate and rendering it obsolete. That is it. The amount right. of acres that they own worldwide, it's over a million acres. What the fuck are they doing with all that? How many homeless yeah. people could they house with that? I mean, they could saw, and they're wealthy. That's true. But you also, I mean, going through history and giving credit where credit is due, you'll notice that Saint something is on the front of a lot of hospitals <laughs> and a lot of orphanages and a lot of charitable organizations. Shout out and, to the saints. But, to say, but they got there because primarily of Catholic churches. I mean, Brett Favre there, needed a, to know yeah. when to walk away from the game. <laughs> <laughs> and I would say there are some religious institutions Possibly that need so. to recognize <laughs> our glory days are behind us. Yeah, yeah. We need to Possibly shut so. down and move on. Yeah, yeah. well, and, well the, the pedophile thing is a little hard to argue with. I, I don't, I'm, I'm In that case, I'm glad I'm not involved in that. Uh, the Catholic tradition. What problems do you think need to be fixed? Oh dear. Um, What problems need to be fixed? I I think first of all is getting back to the essence of what the church was really always supposed to be about. And that, that, and I mean that doctrinally, but it's, um, and what's what the early church did, you know, it's, the early church was a revolution because it believed in the resurrection of Jesus. It did. And that's why they did what they did. You rose again from the dead. We're going to go out and tell everybody. And so getting back to that is your fundamental believing spot and then getting back in the business of just um, transformation not only of people through the message but also, Greg, what you did. I mean, transformation of cities and, and reaching out to people. And and they were the early Christians were known in the Roman Empire, though it's, it's worth noting that they were kind of the social safety net themselves. They were... They basically invented the concept of charity, uh, formal charity that we know of, but they also weren't liked very much either. Uh, they were thought they, they were thought to be crazy and weirdos and all that sort of stuff, and obviously persecuted and killed, and those things had beheaded. And so, but getting back to the, it's it's always about getting back to the basics in my mind. So then, uh, but, what would that practically, if you were going to say, here are the three critical changes? That the church need, would you agree? Okay, well, let's go back to my original premise: that society needs the concept of the church now more than ever. Yes. How would you get it there? I would have. It, it, it sounds like it sounds like a surface answer, but it's, I don't mean it this way. 
but I don't know how else to get there. When I, I continue to look at the New Testament documents, and even early early church father documents, just kind of the, the early Christian documents, as you read them and really take them in and listen to what they were talking about and just getting people familiar with that. I'm not just talking about Bible studies. I'm just think of them as the original documents of the movement and really look at what they emphasize the most and what they didn't emphasize getting fresh on that uh, as a starting place. I think it's, by analogy, I think it's that way in our country too. If you go back and read the the founding documents and you see Mm -hmm. what they were really after, we could, we need to get back to that. They were, they they were talking, they they cared very much about certain key things and not very much at all about other key things. People are reading the constitution now. It's like, (laughs) wait, what is that thing? Like, I heard about that in the fifth grade, but what's that shit mean? Like, uh, really? I mean, but you read it, you read and and you read the Federalist Papers or something like that, and you can kind of, and it's the same way with the Christian faith. I think it's just kind of because they are the documents. And I would tell someone who's an unbeliever that maybe doesn't have your background, but just doesn't know anything about it. And I, I've worked a lot with uh, uh, Muslims overseas, and and so I, I read the Quran. Because I wanted to know what the thing actually was. Well, you should read the documents of the early church, and you'd be fascinated. If you don't think of them as the Bible, or like we think of it, you know, as kind of the magic book or something, but get in there and just think of them as this the Apostle Paul writing or uh, the Gospels or whatever else, and start there, and then just get get back to the fundamentals about, like you said, the church. What when we say the church, what the New Testament says the church is, it is supposed to be a community of people who love one another, help one another, comfort one another. It has the 59 one another's throughout the letters. I mean, it's it's the one another thing and uh, and, and being devoted and forgive one another, incidentally, yeah. and yeah. and do all those things that we're supposed to. It's supposed to be a family. There's some confrontation shit in there, there yeah. too, though, that you guys yeah, might want to like, take a brother uh, well, with you and like well, sure. call them out. Now, here's what happens, though, and this is one of the reasons the church has an undeserved bad reputation. All sometimes. right, we'll sometimes. be the judge of that. Go okay, ahead, I'll, let you, I'll let you judge that. All right is that churches do exercise discipline, and, you, and you're supposed to do it with, uh, like you would, if you care legitimately about someone, and they're obviously trashing their lives, they're going down a road they shouldn't go down, you should, if you love them, hey, hey, man, this isn't good. I mean, here's your, you really need to straighten this out or whatever else. Oftentimes, people take that as the church is very judgmental, and they kind of leave, and they criticize it for being that have you been do you does your church do that do you do formal We've church done it before, sure. yeah because i remember when i was back in my seminary days i went to so i went to td jakes's church oh wow yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he be next by oh microphone. yeah i'm sure yeah i'm sure he's gonna i'd ask him some questions that uh yeah anyway um but then i also went to tony evans church and uh wow please know yeah. Tony Evans takes that shit seriously. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. he does the first Sunday we went and it's unbelievable because he's, he's got a church in South Dallas and he ain't no prosperity gospel guy. This guy is right. real fucking deal. In the time that we were there, he was featured on um, one of the Dallas news networks because they, his church gave $4 million to development of the infrastructure in the South Dallas area. And at the time, he had, they had mentors in every school that uh, was in South Dallas, which was sig- significant. Wow. Um, but <laughs> we were not prepared for this because at this point in time, 
I wasn't taking this shit as seriously as he did. And he read a list of names and I'm pretty sure if it would have been, yeah, he was like, these, these people are under church discipline. Like you are to have, Oh, is that right? Oh, hell yeah. And I was like, I got to get out of here because Tony Evans is not going to be reading my name from up there. So that was our last Sunday at Oak Cliff Bible. <laughs> no, we just, we have not read names publicly. We've yeah. not done that. Yeah. Well, Tony, Tony right. doesn't, Tony doesn't, run. it doesn't sound like he I didn't does, even yeah. expect sure. him to be in the pulpit. I thought he'd be off right. doing Tony Evans things. Sure. Yeah. And yeah. then he comes out and you know, his voice, I mean, he has an unmistakable voice. Yeah. I mean, it's just, Absolutely. Uh, oh, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Preacher anyway. too. Yeah. yeah. Britt, to, to what extent do you see that, that the church um, serving its purpose happening with individuals? Like even the discipline thing, you know, one individual with another walking alongside them, I would call it accountability, you know, yeah. or just any of the things that we're called to be as a church, that happening, uh, you know, one-on-one kind of thing, more so than some structural kind well, of... Well, yeah, it, it, as, you, as you look at what Jesus said about she, uh, church discipline, it is supposed to happen that way, which it makes perfect sense. To me, That's uh, it, there's a lot of commonsensical feel to it that you go, if, you, if your brother does something, you go to him just between the two of you and show him his fault, mm-hmm. and, if, and if he, you know, you've won your brother if things go well, and if you don't, yeah. you take two or three witnesses, and I've been through those processes before. Yeah, to me, it yeah. makes a lot of sense, because I've had it stop at step one, and yeah, yeah. no one knew about it. It was just between the two of us, and you, you kept their, and I love the fact that you wanted to keep their privacy and their dignity, and yeah, that, that kind of thing goes on. But again, that goes back to the original documents and stepping mm-hmm. those things out. is. Yeah. But that's also very, very difficult um, yeah. to do. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to come show you your fault. I'm sure you'll receive that great. You yeah. know, I'm sure you will, just like yeah. I would. Yeah. Yeah. And all, But all the rest of the things the church has been called to do can be on that level as well, like caring for people, you know, loving people. Oh, yeah, it's not something yeah. that should be a part of a program where you have a logo and a T-shirt for it. But rather, <laughs> okay, I see where you're going with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, absolutely. I, but people come up. We used to call ourselves the T-shirt driven church, yeah, uh, it, because we everybody. It's, a, it's something about it's, human nature. You yeah, want to if, if people don't just want to care for people, they want to build a little organization that cares for people and have T-shirts and do programs and yeah. events and all that yeah. sort of stuff. And sometimes the church that's great, but sometimes the church gets a little lost in those yeah. things. But it's a little hard to avoid. What do you feel like your church does really well? Music. <laughs> no, I had to say that the bass playing is awesome. Uh, is John Mellencamp your worship leader? Yeah. <laughs> then I beg to differ. Yeah. Well, he's not. Well, we won't go on the John. Okay. Anyway, uh, are you gonna like throw did. shade on John? Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were. No, no, no. No, I, I will say this about John Mellencamp. He got me through adolescence, man. He did. Him. Okay, oh, so yeah. I wasn't a fan. Just as a musician, I, I didn't really like him. I don't him. even I know if he is a musician. Is okay, he uh, he's somewhere in there. Okay. No, but I, I went to see him. A guy gave me free tickets, and he said, you want to go to the show? And it was free. And I said, sure. I mean, even though I'm not a fan, I went to see him in concert, and I was super impressed. Mm-hmm. For one thing, I didn't know he had that many hits. I mean, like every single oh, song right. for yeah, two yeah. solid hours was like, oh, wow. He, he I forgot he did that one. That's great. <laughs> yeah. And it was one after the other. He didn't say a word between the songs or anything. He just played, and, and it was very impressive. And uh is, but what do we feel like we do really, really well? Uh, I like to think our goal, our goal at our church, we said we want to help people far from God, trust and follow Jesus, and, and through intellectual integrity, spiritual power, artistic creativity, and missional thinking. So, uh, and, and basically, we want to create an environment where if you do struggle with these things or have those issues, you can come, and that's not, you know, 
you know, we don't throw a flag on the play if you if you have objections or issues or whatever. Just this past weekend, we did a and a thing. We let anybody ask whatever they wanted to ask. Oh, what was the best so, question you got asked? The best question? Oh, wow. What, uh, what, <laughs> uh, boy, that's a really good question, and I'm trying to remember what it was. Uh, I know there was one I was intrigued by. Uh, people, I think it was the ones around death and the curiosity around that, you know, can people see us and all those kinds of things. Those are the fun ones. Uh, you uh, want to know what I would have asked? <laughs> no, we no. don't. I think right. I found about I, I, you probably already know. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah. I can't yeah. say. Is it possible that God's an asshole? Uh, is it possible? Well, if you if you go with the definition of God traditionally understood, I mean, no, if it's I use, literally not possible. If I use he is good, if I def, use the, the book, book of, of Job as right. my jumping off point, is right. it, can I can I offer a compelling argument that that was a shitty thing to do? <laughs> well, yeah, but and I mean, what it, was it, Satan it, doing it, up in heaven? Right. Doing what he does, shouldn't I guess. He, shouldn't he have like evaporated? Like, yeah, just the, the the. But the portrait is not so much as you know what we're thinking of a Satan that should have. I don't know. Maybe they had like a, cans. You know, I don't I, know. Had what? Well, but Moses had to like. I mean, you got to the the tribe of Benjamin. They had to do the purification. Satan's just like, did he take an elevator up or like? Did they text back and forth? I mean, because he's not limited by technology. But it's just like Job's just like minding his own business. <laughs> and then, bam, bam, bam. What the hell, man? But what I love is that it is the final chapters of Job when he gets in front of God and, they, and he has the whole thing of, and I love, he has one of my favorite lines in all the Bible. He oh, says, this, but, this better know, be good. But, Bring well, it. <laughs> but he said, before my ears have heard of you and now my eyes have seen you and therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Because the whole point was, if you were, if, think, let's just imagine, let's just kind of back up and imagine there is a being who had the power and the ability to make everything in reality. Okay. That being would be awesome beyond description. It would be so you would be unable to utter just how awesome that being was. I mean, just looking at the universe, I mean, just me. If I were able to speak you into existence, I'd be considered pretty awesome. But you wouldn't uh, do it, would you? <laughs> Given the option, I have to think through that a little bit. <laughs> would no, he do it? That's that one of the great one. theological. Like, that might have been a mistake. Yeah. But it's, oh no! What am Whoopsies. I done? He'll be burning but, in but eternal if, damnation. Or that plant. If I can make that thing just appear out of thin air, you'd go, "Oh my gosh! You know, what are you? You're, you're amazing." But if you can make the whole universe appear just by speaking into existence, that's awesomeness beyond description. And that's that's the portrait that the Old Testament gives, and that's what Job is expressing, because he's wondering about all these things, but then God appears and asks, I'm going to ask you some questions, God says, <laughs> yeah. and then he's like, oh, gosh, don't ask me anything. Because in the end, the way I look at the, the life is that God is the very reason I even have the next breath to draw or the fact that I can see, feel, hear, or experience, or laugh, or touch, or, or be a part of anything Originally came from him. I'm a contingent being upon him. So, but it was kind uh, of was a, a shitty thing to do. Well, it yeah, was, I, as a human being, I can look at that and go, yeah, I don't. That's that seems pretty. But on the other hand, God being the like, why the did God not just say fuck off, Satan? Like, uh, just go back. I don't to know. It's a great question. Okay. I, I, I mean, the that you painted was great, though. Shorter that Job book. need to come to the point to say you're an awesome guy, and I have no right counseling you or even questioning you. Sure. And and I think God's going to take us all through that. Do you have to go as far as he took Job to hear that, or or does it have to be worse than that? It's a lot of yeah. One, one theologian damage. said yeah. One, one theologian said Job is the everyman. 
that in some sense we all experience it, and you will, and you know, before you die. <laughs> so get ready, bro. I've been there. Remember the start of the podcast? Yeah. Oh, yeah. how we all got fucked over? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I ain't saying to the degree of Joe. Well, he was talking about your eventual like, death and your fade away. That like, we're all, wow. all going to die, and we're all going to wither away, and the withering process that you'll go through is, yeah, you'll go through that. But eternity being what it is, there's something much larger and greater and awesome and, and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Anyway, so I don't, yeah, that may be. We'll yeah. see. Well, I think we need to give Brett a chance to share anything you want to share because we've just kind of beat you up with what we wanted to. I hear didn't from. feel beat up. Okay, I enjoyed it. It's fun. I, right. I appreciate you guys doing this in in good humor and and. Uh, well, I hope it. I mean, I, I there's a couple of things that I hope. Um, one, I would love to participate in a church that did things. I don't want to go. I don't, I don't need, I, I don't, I don't have this longing to hear somebody teach to me. I mean, it's fine, right. but you better bring your fucking A game because yeah. I have my own intellect that I'm bringing into the conversation. I, I can listen to the radio, you know, on, I, I don't. Sure. That's what you, we said a while ago. They, you know, some of those aspects, I, but yeah. it's like, okay, now I want to make a difference. Yes. And how can I, but, but what I, the imperative for me is I don't know another institution and I don't know if the mega church can do it. I don't know if, because it seems like it, it has too much anonymity, but maybe I'm wrong about that. I know the small groups and all that kind of stuff, but it's like the, the local church, like where we are coming together and brothers are brothers. Our yes. lives are rubbing up. You're, you're now familiar to me. Yeah. And I do think that just from a, I mean, from a clinical perspective, I do think that singing together, I mean, the oxytocin, all of those kinds of things, I th you know, they're important aspects of that where just, you know, I mean, that's just kind of cool fucking thing to do. Like a group of people singing together kind of binds you together. And it's like, I, I don't know any other way that this country gets back without that kind of a communal love one another kind of, a, I don't, I, if, if somebody else knows it, please tell me about it. Cause we're fucked. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we are, we are fragmenting at an exponential rate. How do we stop the fragmenting? Yeah, I, I, I agree. And, and, and the concept of the church itself and what it's supposed to be and designed to be, and I do believe there are expressions of it around the world currently, uh, underground and otherwise, is, and, and I heard one, one guy say, there's nothing like the local church when the local church is working right, when it's working the way it is, which I have experienced it that way. I can't think of anything better. The closest analogy, which is a biblical analogy, is family. There's nothing like a... There, there's very few things in life that are more meaningful and more awesome than when your family's working well. Now there's few things when it's working well. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and when it's not, well, there's few things more painful too. Right. That's exactly That's... how the church is, yeah, is yeah. oftentimes. So yeah, but, uh, but I, I agree with that and how to get back to that. That's, uh, I like to think I'm trying to participate in my own little way by creating a place that people can let their guard down. And we try to emphasize that all the time. The church is not this just audience thing that you gather yeah, to. Yeah. The people around you are, you're being Christ to one another. The one another's are throughout the entire thing. It's supposed to be. I'm, that's what the church is, is. It's my chance 
to walk along. And that's the thing that creates the commonality because I'm sitting with one of the things I love about church is we literally, and we were just talking about this, we literally get people off the streets who are that were you know, slept under a bridge last night, and we get bank presidents and sit them together. And there, there's no oh, other that's place. That's real? You like you're not, yeah, that's, that's not that's a commercial? A well, sure. Like yeah, you've no, seen that happen. happened this weekend. Yeah. Cool. yeah that because that's one of the reasons I love the church and I've experienced it because I've seen mm-hmm. all kinds of people, and you have to have something that's going to bring people together to, that they have in common. And that's where Christ and his presence and the belief in God and all that brings that because it equalizes and i've experienced it around the world too go to places and that are very foreign and when you find out faith in christ there's kind of this light that comes on yeah, yeah. oh you're my brother you're my sister yeah. that kind of stuff and and uh and and then you can have that bond and you know kind of what i'm supposed to do i'm supposed to serve you and help you and those things so if we were so. going to fix evansville how would we do that <laughs> This is supposed to fix the Catholic Church too. Uh, uh, If we were supposed to fix that, well, I know of people. Oddly, you should say that there are people from the church that are working on that now, and to do that behind the scenes. I was just uh, with uh, a woman that's working on those things as we speak. But how we're going to fix it is, I think it does start with the church uniting as much as possible. There's more of that than people realize because those are the things you don't see. There's nothing sexy about a bunch of pastors getting together and being united. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's 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 a lot of scandal, and very, it's very interesting when one of them you know screws around on his wife like they tend to do. So well, it's that not gets that more it, attention. Well, that gets yeah. the attention. Yeah, absolutely does. But the fact that I mean, me and some like, guys that are other pastors of other churches get together regularly mm-hmm. and pray together, people don't know, people yeah. don't care. There's yeah. nothing exciting about that. Well, maybe if if I knew what the outcome of that was. Like yeah. if you're, if, if you, you and your pastors are meeting together, you're praying and there is a outcome that is more positively provocative than the dude that just fucked another woman. That's not his wife. And I don't know why that's just don't do that. But anyway, that's a different <laughs> yeah, yeah, Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, don't, pretty simple. You're saying it from the pagan side and from the godly side. <laughs> This is a bad this is idea. Not this good, is not man. good. Like, Stop it. Right. That's one of the basics. I knew that going in. Totally you know? even, man. Like, yeah, it's really, just uh, not good. Yeah. But it, why don't we get to see the things that are provocative as positive? And if they're not coming from the church, where should they be coming from? Yeah, I, 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 I don't, I don't know. I, I think they should come through the church. I don't think it all leans in the church. We, we have a little saying. One of our values at our church is, "Don't just build a great church, build a great city." And city building is neighbor loving. Is kind of a little line we use. So, and there are groups that helping people love their neighbor is. You want to know how to fix Evansville? Well, it's a collective of different people: the church, education, media all of us together, and there are places where people interact, and we say, okay, what's the, what are the major problems that we can all agree on, even though we don't believe the same? We can all agree, this is a terrible problem over here. Let's work on that. Let's do what we respectively can do and, and go in and try to change mm-hmm. those things. So what would but you give me one of those that is either in process or has been solved? Uh, in process is foster care, I think, is uh, I know of personally, where people are, uh, they were... Churches got together, pastors got together, state organization got together. Um, Is that the Isaiah uh, House? Uh, it, it's part of it. Yeah, yeah. You, got, you have different organizations that are formed around that, but there was a group that I, I was a part of that pastors got together and they, they listed off, they did a study of Evansville, and foster care was a major problem on a, as far as 
the country itself, we we kind of rank very high in a bad way on that. So in let's go after that. Children in, in numbers of foster children, yes. Huh. Uh, and so, what are we going to do about that? With the meth problem? Or you know, is that's there, a great is there question. A I, I think I, there probably is, but I don't know the details around that. But okay. I know that that's a problem that was focused on. An organization called Four Evansville is working on that. And so, let's point in that direction. And so, I've seen increasing numbers. They're, they're going around and trying to find foster parents. Uh, they're trying to coordinate with state organizations. It's, you know, it's government, it's school, it's a lot of things. Yeah, but yeah. those coordinations are happening. But that's just one example of a problem that exists out there that I know for a fact organizations are pointing in that direction and is trying to work on that. And like so, Community One, you're familiar with? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. loving your neighbor, it's a one-on-one thing. You know, you would sign up to help a neighbor. And, and it, maybe it looks like some of that's uh, home uh, rehabbing, things like yeah. that. But some of it's just bringing groceries you know, and that and that organization is really connecting people, but it's yeah. not going to get airplay. You know, that's yeah, it doesn't get a lot. Yeah. yeah, and one of our staff guys ended up working for them. He's on the staff for uh, okay. for uh, oh, or yeah. for Community One now, and so and during the pandemic, especially early on, they set up a whole, whole website where if you struggled, if you needed groceries, you could put that on there, and I could go on there and see it. And for Evansville helped do that, so mm-hmm. uh, and coordinate all those efforts because one of the things Evansville kind of suffers from a little bit is there's a lot of organizations that are trying to help, but Jeez. it's the coordination of, of Seems like that. the church has the same problem. It's yeah, like, it is. There's a lot of church, and we're trying to so coordinate those things. territorial. Yeah, yeah you think, and, and some of that's going down. In my, I've been doing this for nearly 30 years now, so in this era right now, over the last five to 10-year pocket of time, I've seen more coordinated effort than I've ever mm-hmm. seen before. Yeah. As far as the territorialism thing, it's gone down. Still there, but I think it's gone down more than I've personally experienced yeah. it. Uh, just in in terms of relationships, so there's a lot of hopeful things uh, yeah. in the Evansville thing. I'm not just saying that as a you know sort of a promo. That's that's right. very real. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, definitely. And so and, last and w- community one's a fantastic example of that. Yeah. Last word is yours, man. You, last you, word. You can grill <laughs> us. You can. It's all you. You get. <laughs> you get the final word, man. Uh, the, uh, the final word. Yeah, because uh, we uh, we brought you in. Uh, we brought you down uh, into uh, the basement and I know. lowered I you in. I was thinking, man, this is a Godfather <laughs> moment. I'm going down. Here it is. <laughs> It's never hear from me again. You know, I, I would say I know that there are people uh, listening who've been hurt by church. I get it. I understand it. I've been there myself. And uh, I would encourage you to, to go back to the basics and just think through what I really believe about these things. Are they real? Are they not? And be willing to stick your toe back in the water and, and go in with the basics in mind. You know, what do I think about Jesus? Or like, uh, like uh, you said, you know, I, I want to love and care about people. I want to be a part of impacting my community. And how can I participate in that and walk in it? Because it, it, I don't know. It, I know what's happening in Evansville. Whatever your community is, there's some way out there you can make an impact mm-hmm. in some very significant ways. They typically are driven by churches. It just doesn't get a lot of press. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. Well, I hope you're those of you that are listening. I hope that your biggest takeaway is constructive dialogue, and I hope that you reconsider being able to sit down with somebody that maybe you don't know, maybe you don't have a lot in common with, but you can find that which you have in common and that you can celebrate that which you have in common and you can unite around that which you have in common because we are fragmenting at an exponential rate and sitting by and doing nothing is 
not going to help the problem, but positive, constructive dialogue where we respect each other's right to believe whatever it is that we believe, but then we rally around that which we have in common is something that we can all do. And I hope after listening to this, you would go and practice that. We want to thank you again, amen. Brett, for being here. Yeah, that's good, huh? <laughs> that's <laughs> the right. Doxology. The atheist got an amen. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, brother, for being here. Hey, thanks for great. having me. I appreciate yeah. it a lot. Anytime, man. You got an open invitation. So open if, invitation. Yeah, if you ever right. get the itch again, like, that's right. I'm Let's bringing my guitar and I'm right. fucking. <laughs> that's right. Thanks again, buddy. We enjoyed thank it. You. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.